0: Welcome to Missing Artwork, a show that lets artists behind your favorite album art tell their story and experience in making the iconic image of the music you love. I'm your host, Michael Paul Escanuelas, and today we're talking to Devin Whitehead, the illustrator behind the artwork for the score of the cult classic film Troll 2. As far as cult classics go, Troll 2 takes the cake. Get it? Because there's a cake in the movie. Okay, that was lame. But what better way to open up an episode focused on a horribly awesome cult classic film, Troll 2, than with a horribly awesome joke? Released in 1990, Troll 2 is the king of the B-horror comedy genre. The film focuses on the Waits family. After arriving in the mysterious town of Nilbog, yes, that's goblin spelled backwards, The family is faced with an array of malicious townsfolk and creepy troll creatures. To call this film scary misses the mark entirely. This film is renowned for its bad acting, strange directing, and of course, its music. Composed by Carlo Maria Cordillo, the score features electronic synth, bluegrass, and random guitar tracks. It's eclectic and adds to the film's curious nature. So when it came time for Lunaris Records to release the soundtrack, Who better to call for the job of creating the artwork than illustrator and horror fan Devin Whitehead? For this piece, Whitehead created cover assets for the vinyl, cassette, and CD release of the score. With the vinyl edition, he illustrated a profile image of the main child protagonist and a goblin from the film. Each character was placed on the front and back insert sleeve respectively. For the cover, green slime fills the artwork with die-cut holes for the hands and face of each character from the insert sleeve. This creates a clever double-sided package showing off many elements from the film. For the cassette and CD version of the score, Whitehead drew a classic horror film VHS-style illustration, displaying many iconic elements from the film, including the family, the goblins, the strange cake, and the goblin queen with a chainsaw. In this episode, Whitehead goes over his illustration process and his love for the cult classic film.
1: I'm Devin Whitehead. I'm an illustrator slash sometimes concept artist. I've been doing freelance work for about, I think, about five years now, four or five years. And before that, I was doing studio work, working at illustration company. And before that, I was working at a video game company and before that, I was going to college for art. So, yeah.
0: Moving from concept artist to illustrator, Whitehead let his passion guide his career moves.
1: Like, I've always drawn, like, horror movies and, like, you know, superheroes and sci-fi stuff. That's just kind of, like, what I'm into. Like, I I collect, like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm, like, a total nerd. Really into horror movies. I go to every horror convention I can. and. You know, my inspiration is like VHS artwork and you know, heavy metal magazine and comic books and stuff like that. I say like my main artists I'm really into are like an artist named Brom and Frazetta of course and stuff like that. So I, I started out doing concept art is really what what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an entertainment design for like video games and movies and stuff. So that's what I started doing for a good like I want to say a year after college. I, I spent all of my college years painting and drawing, but with the end goal in mind to do, like, concept art. And um, I did it for a little while and kind of realized I was more of an illustrator as I was doing more and more just, like, ideation stuff, which is cool, and I, I, I still like to do it from time to time. I just I felt like uh, illustration was more my thing. I kind of pull from the concept art world, too, when I approach any kind of project that's just kind of how I've been I want to say trained you know (laughs) how my brain works is kind of from a concept art point of view and then I uh melding it with like an illustration mindset to you know tackle different paintings and then I went to a a studio that was all illustration based like it was I was doing video game covers and toy boxes and you know, labels and all kinds of different things and I was I was way more into that and um, liked that a lot more. That kinda led me to what I'm doing now.
0: With the Troll Two artwork, Whitehead kept in contact with his community of fellow horror fans to jumpstart his work on the project.
1: It had been a little while and I hit up Chad, um, like, Hey, when's you know, what's the next soundtrack we're doing? And then he was like, Well, uh, I'm going to do Troll 2 and I was like oh that's awesome you yeah. know I love I love that movie I've, I've I've been fascinated with it since I was like a kid he w- he wanted to give me a f- uh, full range on kind of like what I thought I should do so he's like he knew he wanted to do variations like he wanted to do variant covers and maybe something a little different for Troll 2 than just like one standard cover he was he was thinking maybe like a slime cover, something like a translucent co- cover. We even talked about doing like a heat-sensitive cover. But <laughs> we found out r- real fast that it was super expensive. Out of that, we started talking about maybe like a die-cut cover. And so I did some sketches. Like there's like uh, slime covering the kid, and when you take out the insert in, inside, you know, that's actually holding the record, you kind of reveal more of the illustration around him, you know. So that's ultimately what it became. And then uh, Chad, I think, had the idea to have it be reversible.
0: Troll 2 uses a unique die-cut layout. Both sides of the packaging use similar holes to display different art. For Whitehead, this new approach created some interesting challenges with his illustration work.
1: That was probably the biggest challenge. Um, was making both illustrations fit the holes. <laughs> I quickly, I was like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. I start painting it, and then I was like, wait a minute, the can the kid's fingers are way smaller than the goblin's claws, and um, you know, it's. Uh, I had to draw, you know, where they would cut. I, I had to, I had to just kind of like make it. You know, as good as I could to fit both illustrations. When you flipped it around, it would still look cool, and you could see what I wanted. You know, wanted you to. So I did that. I did like the kid, uh, the main kid, and the is like the main illustration with um, with the slime cover. And then when you flip that, it's like the goblin. Um, it's all goblins. And then uh, and then I did another variant cover where it's like more more like kind of like a traditional horror movie poster
0: many of the ideas for the troll 2 packaging came from whitehead's sketch process for the piece i work
1: primarily digital i'll i'll sketch by hand sometimes but i'll work on photoshop most of the time just line drawing i think i drew the kid's face um and i was thinking it'd just be cool to have his face with like green ooze you know covering him because there's so many scenes in that movie where like he's like having weird like trip tripped out dreams where he's like bleeding green and vines are coming out of him and stuff so i'm like that's such a cool image i thought that'd be that'd be cool to incorporate i think i did a sketch that was kind of like what ended up being the final product but like i think chad saw it and was like oh that looks cool we should do like a die cut cover with that so i was like okay and so then it was up to me to try to figure out how i could incorporate this image into like something something that would work for die cut and would look cool you know my vision was that the slime if once he's uh once the inserts inside the uh, outer cover with the holes in it it would look like he's like coming through the slime you know like, I basically traced his, the shape of his face and the shape of the fingers that I wanted to look like it was coming through the outer cover. I I basically put the trace of the kid over on top of the goblin just to see what it would look like. It was close, but it was still kind of off. So it was, it was a back and forth of me going like, oh, maybe if I, you know, tweak this and stretch this line out a little bit, you know, especially for the fingers. I kept redrawing the die-cut holes over and over and over because it was either too much or too little, you know? That that actually took me the longest time, I think, even more than painting them.
0: <laughs> so Nostalgia plays a heavy role in the fandom of Troll 2. Whitehead's process also used nostalgia as inspiration for the green goo on the die-cut sleeve.
1: I got the idea of the slime. I don't know if you used to watch, like, Nickelodeon but i had i have this weird nicktoons book like it's this big book and it's all nicktoons it's like talks about all the different like 90s nickelodeon cartoons and it has a slime cover that like kind of goes over it and i originally i wanted <laughs> i wanted it to be like you could touch the slime you know like it had like goo goo inside it moving around but i, I guess that was way too expensive so
0: for the traditional illustrated poster asset of the project, Whitehead re-watched the cult classic to gain new ideas on how he wanted to treat the characters.
1: I'm pretty familiar with the movie, but I hadn't watched it in a while, so I watched it again. And um, it's, it's weird, but it's not a very, I mean, I guess it's not that weird, but it's not a very visually stunning movie. I knew I wanted the goblins on there, and I didn't want to put them on there as they were. I've seen posters and paintings where they put them, like, as they genuinely look like in the movie on the poster or shirt or whatever, and it, you know, it's funny, and it's how they look, but I want to make it, like, you know, like, it's a little cooler, like, maybe you put it on a VHS cover, like, you know, look how cool this movie is, and then you rent it, and you're like, oh what? They don't look that cool, but they're almost there. <laughs> you could say, like, a couple of them, you're like, oh, yeah, they look awesome, but. Some of the ones in the back, you're like, they don't look cool at all. But that was, I wanted the goblins to look like, you know, actually frightening goblins. I knew I wanted the family in there because a lot of the movie is like, strangely about keeping the family together and about the the family surviving this, I guess. So I wanted to try to figure out a way to put the fam, the the whole family, like kind of together with the goblins around them. And I wanted to incorporate the cake in there because it was so weird and out of... It just came out of nowhere. Like, I guess, you know, the whole movie has to do with food and vegetables and stuff. But the cake is just so... Why? I have no idea, but... So I was like, I gotta have that cake in there. So I was like, well, maybe there'll be candles, like, on the cake. I actually drew them with, like, flames coming out of their head at first. Like, or, like, tied up to actual candles. And it just became too much...
0: This rewatch also reminded Whitehead of some of the characters he forgot from the film. Besides a goblin, because it's been done to
1: death with imagery for that movie, um, the goblin's always so big at the top, you know, or like the biggest character, like the main character you see on the covers for Troll 2 are usually like the goblin's face or something. So I was trying to think of another character, you know, the, the townspeople are pretty creepy, so... I thought about having the, the milk guy from like the market <laughs> be like the main be like the main guy, so that's why that's why he's so big at the top because he was just gonna be all that was up at the top of the painting, him holding the milk or like pouring it on him or something. And um, I watched the movie again and t- I completely forgot about or just kind of wasn't thinking about like the witch lady who's got like the cauldron and. She had a chainsaw at one point, and I was like, that is so just out of left field, you know. It's just, like, such a cool image because it's so wacky, and she's chopping down this kid who's, like, turning into a tree or something. So I was like, I got to have that on there.
0: <laughs> the tone of Whitehead's work played an important role in his selection of movie characters.
1: I was trying to figure out a way to put the corn in there, too, because it, it took up so much of the movie, that corn popcorn part. I got to put that in there, but it just didn't work. Because I wanted, I wanted it to be, you know, you know, it's obviously it's Troll 2, so it's going to be funny, but I wanted it to be serious, you know, like a cool, like a scary horror movie.
0: Although Troll 2 does not have the most stimulating color palette within the film, Whitehead explored several options for colors in his work.
1: Green definitely had to be involved, so I, that was going to be my... My thread is, you know, there's a slime cover. The kid's got slime green, you know, blood or, you know, ooze on him. And then the goblins are, I think they're kind of brown-ish in the movie, or, like, kind of, like, this weird flesh tone. But I kind of, I wanted to give them more of, like, a, I don't want to say, like, dead-looking, but, like, a little less pink, more, like, green-ish blues uh, in their faces and stuff. Just make them a little bit more creepy. Um, plus it kind of fit with... Like especially for the poster image, there's like a, there's like kind of a blue fog that I s- had going from like maybe like the sky of the forest. And that was kind of working for that one with the green and kind of like... Green, like kind of blacks and uh, blues of that like kind of image. And then for the reversible cover with the kid and the goblin, I started getting these like kind of yellowy green colors as i was painting i kind of it's weird like i'll i'll play around a lot since i work in photoshop most of the time it's kind of cool because then i can go like oh what if this isn't so blue and i tweak it and like make it look more green or you know whatever and um i can kind of get some cool different ideas that i might not have had working traditionally or you know would have been stuck with (laughs) The only thing that I had a problem with is um, when they send them to the printers, you can only do um, CMYK, which is like when you're working on Photoshop or just when you're printing an image, you can either do it RGB or CMYK, and most printers for like vinyl covers and poster prints and stuff are CMYK, like DVD covers and stuff like that are all CMYK, so Working in CMYK is kind of a bitch, because you can only use so many colors, and it limits your palette. That's why I work in RGB. You get all these different colors you can work with, and subtleties and stuff. But as soon as you you change it to CMYK to print, it'll, it'll flatten colors, and bright greens will turn to muddy green, and they'll look all gross, so... Oh, man, if you could see the RGB file, like the, the original painting I have of the slime, it's so bright and, like, <laughs> like saturated, like, super bright green. And then, I, and then I was like, all right, I'll change it to CMYK and, you know, send it over to the printer, and I changed it, and it was, like, it was the worst-looking green ever. It was, like, brown or something. I was so disappointed. So I had to sit there and paint, in CMYK and play with the levels of saturation for like a couple hours just to get it looking cool again, you know?
0: Like many illustrators in his field, Whitehead takes advantage of the tools in Photoshop to create his illustrations.
1: I usually sketch by hand. I'll draw it out because then I can be faster and kind of loose and then, um, you know, scan it in and then um, bring it into Photoshop and start painting that way. Or... If I kind of have an idea of what I'm already doing, then it might be faster just for me to open Photoshop and start sketching that way. I've got different brushes and stuff on Photoshop that look, you know, like pencils and or like ink pens or something, and uh, I guess kind of start sketching that way. A big misconception in Photoshop painting is that, like, you know, there's some magic button that's like, okay, you know, F5 makes it an awesome painting. And it's, if you don't know how to paint already, your painting on Photoshop's gonna suck. It's just, it's the, the same rules apply, you know? It's just, it, there's just a like Control-Z is, I think, the only difference, you know? I can undo if I screw up. <laughs> it's the same thing, like, you, if you don't know how to paint, you know, control your values, or you don't know how to place light or use different light sources your painting's gonna suck anyways whether it's traditional or digital. So I go I go about my painting as I would traditionally just there's more freedom to play around with which is sometimes a bad thing you know you get too many options. I start painting and I'm like well it could be this or it could be that or it could be, you know and then I just have to finally settle on something uh, so I can move on.
0: Upon explaining his process why had revealed some important elements to his work.
1: I'm always just drawing for myself. If anybody wants to get into doing illustrations and stuff, I think they should just be drawing from life. I draw from life all the time. I go to figure drawing like every week and draw models and it just it helps with I think the drawing on the fly, I guess you could say, or like coming up with quicker ideas or um being able to finesse things without copying. You know, you don't have to have a picture right there. You're, you're not hopeless without your reference. You know, and you don't rely on it so much. It's always good to have, but it's it's good to have a balance between, you know, your own idea generating. Pre-existing knowledge in your head of how to draw things. People, people and animals and environments and stuff. I find that super helpful.
0: Whitehead's work comes from a love for the horror genre and his art form. His style and the detail of his work fit perfectly with the crazy tone of Troll 2. With this passion, Whitehead has created a special package to a truly unique film and score.
1: I feel like I grew up in a video store, so I'm like constantly referencing, just staring at VHS covers. Cause I'm like, you know, you'd pick up a movie and you'd be like, this cover amazing. You go home, and watch and the movie, it's so shitty. But I would be, I wouldn't be that disappointed because I get to stare at this image, you know. <laughs> I was like, ah, that was horrible," but this is still so cool, you know.
0: <laughs> Missing artwork is a collaboration of Chris Lantinen and myself, Michael Paul Escanuelos. We are part of the Modern Vinyl family of podcasts, which represents other great shows like Pilot Study and Vinyl Crawl. Check out modern-vinyl.com to see the latest vinyl news, features, and to find out more information about our podcast family. Thank you to Mark Redito for our theme music. And of course, thank you to Devin Whitehead for talking with us. You can see more of his work on Instagram under the username at We are still in our podcast infancy, so please go and subscribe to our show on iTunes or whatever podcast service you favor, and leave a review telling us how much you love us and the show. Then go share us with your friends. We're always on the hunt for new listeners. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Missing Artwork, or at Modern Vinyl. Thank you for listening.